future for farming in Maine. More information on protecting farmland and supporting farmers at mainefarmlandtrust.org. It's a few seconds before 10 o'clock and you are tuned to WERU-FM 89.9 Blue Hill, 99.9 Bangor and streaming online everywhere at WERU.org. Common Ground Radio with your hosts from Mafka is up next. And good morning. Welcome to Common Ground, hosted by the Maine Organic Farmers and Gardeners Association. I'm Cheryl Wixon, and this promises to be another exciting conversation about Maine agriculture, food, and and some of the wonderful things happening around the state. Uh, Today, the focus of our discussion and conversation is going to be on cooperatives and the cooperative model. And I'm very fortunate to have uh, three guests with us today, one on via telephone. Uh, Joan, are you with us? Yes, I'm Good morning. So, uh, Jonah Fertig's on the phone with us, and I'm joined in the studio with um, uh, Betsy Gerald and Alan White. And I think I'll just uh, let each one of them do a brief little introduction before I go straight to the bulletin board and tell you what's happening around the state. Jonah, why don't you start? Just give us a little quick update on on what you're bringing to the conversation here today. Sure, yeah. My name is Jonah Fertig. I live down in Arundel. Uh, just south of Portland, and um, I live at a cooperative organic farm down there. And I um, work with um, a project called Cooperative Fermentation, which is working to help people create cooperatives in the food system. And I also work for the Cooperative Development Institute, which is the uh, region center for cooperative business. Um, And I co-founded Local Sprouts Cooperative, which is a worker-owned cooperative cafe and catering business in Portland. Which has delicious food, by the way, I have to say. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, well, thanks. How about you, Betsy? Um, Well, I am, let's see. I, I cooperatives and foods. I mean, that's my my favorite subjects, both wrapped into one. I'm I'm on the board of directors of the Belfast Co-op. I'm one of the charter members of the Marsh River Co-op. I'm a worker owner at Fedco Co-op, um, and I am the Belfast Co-op's representative to the overarching um, statewide group Cooperative Maine. Oh, that's uh, that's. I knew there was a reason why you're with us today. <laughs> because and all right, and then I would our newest exciting member of the team, Alan. Uh, yes, it's a great to be here this morning. And I'm from the Allen Employee Cooperative in Stonington. Mm-hmm. And we just started, uh, I think, June 12th of this year was our first day in business. And uh, we're the largest owner-operated co-op in the state of Maine in the history of the state of Maine of co-ops, I believe. And so I'm excited here to be here today to share our wonderful story. Oh, I'm excited. It- I have to be very selfish and say I'm very excited because I live in Stonington, so this is right in my backyard. So um, so I, th- I think we're going to have a great conversation today. I, what I really would like to start out with is uh, I was at a uh, the Farmer to Farmer conference that the Maine Organic Farmers puts on in the um, October and November blizzard that we had, and uh, Jonah did a great presentation on some of the history. Uh, I didn't realize that cooperatives had been around forever. So, I don't know, Jonah, would you mind just taking a few minutes and sort of giving us in the nutshell, for those folks that aren't familiar with the cooperative model and, and the history and some of the things behind it? Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, so, you know, when we look at co-ops, I mean, yeah, as you said, a lot of people, you know, think of co-ops as, you know, something modern or something new. And really, I look at co-ops as 
a very traditional business structure in many ways or in a traditional structure for communities to feed themselves. Um, you know, cooperation has been a key element of, of creating uh, food systems for a long time before we called them food systems. You know, and it's just people, how do we help our neighbors and, you know, help each other on our farms, help each other fishing, um, you know, and work together in that way. Um, so, you know, when I think about co-ops and, and food, I think, you know, really like looking at how those traditional um, ways of feeding ourselves and how um, cooperatives bring that into the modern era. And so when we look at co-ops in the last uh, 200 years, um, or in beyond 200 years, really, I mean, one of, the, one of the first official legal co-ops in the U.S. was actually started by Benjamin Franklin. Um, he started a subscription library where members put in money, pulled resources to have a library. It was one of our first public libraries. Um, he also started a, fire, a volunteer fire department, um, which you, know, you really can see is a, is a cooperative effort, people working together to meet a basic need uh, that their house doesn't burn down. Um, so, you know, those are some of the early co-ops and, and some of the early founders of the U.S. Um, you know, really saw this um, cooperative business as being um, a model that they wanted to bring forward um, in the formation of the, the country. Um, and then in the, into the 19th century, um, as um, workers started going to factories and the Industrial Revolution was happening, um, really there was, uh, you know, kind of different currents of, of um, analysis of how that should move forward in the economy and, and, you know, what the relationship of workers to their labor should be. Um, and um, so in, the, in farming, um, as, you know, farmers started dealing with these different um, challenges of industrialization, um, the Grange movement um, really came out in the 18, around 1867, and were one of the early proponents of uh, cooperatives. Um, the Grange helped um, get cooperative grain elevators going, warehouses, shipping stations, processing plants, grist mills. Um, they did rail and ship transport. Um, they even started in California the Grangers Bank, which um, by 1874 had about $2 million in deposits. Um, that's you know definitely a template for later on credit unions. Um, the Farmers Alliance, which was a little bit later on, um, they did a lot of cooperative purchasing, um, so starting different stores that you know were where farmers could pool their resources to um, purchase together. Um, and then also, you know that that spread over into um, into industrial workers and to and to the labor movement as well. Um, the Sovereigns of Industry was started in 1874 by William Earle, who was, a, who was a national Grange organizer in Massachusetts. And they set up a whole system of democratic um, local and state councils. And um, they even had co-ops here in Maine and, and uh, Dexter and Lewiston. Um, they had a couple co-op stores that they um, started in these, these emerging mill communities. Um, and then that was picked up later by the Knights of Labor um, which started a, a lot of different co-ops all over the country. Um, they had boot and shoe factories, suspender co-ops, barrel co-ops, glass blowing bakeries, um, and so that was in the 19th century. And then that that energy really continued in, into um, the 20th century in the, during the Great Depression. Um, co-ops saw a, a huge rise again, um, as many people, you know, were looking how can we how can we meet our needs. Despite this economy that has crashed, and you know, and 
So um, there's a lot of different co-ops that formed at that point. There's um, in California the self-help co-ops, which were uh, really kind of an early uh, formation of some of our time time dollar systems or hour exchange systems, where there was a no money exchange co-op and people were really looking to meet their basic needs through cooperation and and, um, and barter and exchange. Um, so, so Jonah, let me. I'm just wanna interject a little bit here so it would be fair to say that the cooperative movement is really or movement or model has really been with this country since it was founded by the founding fathers and mothers (laughs) even though we don't talk about them i know the mothers were there um so um and it's not just about our food system yeah it it definitely you know and i think that to look at it yeah the the co-ops really do date back to you know our founding fathers and mothers and, and, and the people that, you know, and, and even before that, you know, and, and that we, you know, the modern ways that we see our economy working are relatively new structures. Um, you know, that corporations control our food system is a relatively new, uh, new incarnation of, of power in our society. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, you know, that was not necessarily the vision of this country is that, corporations would control the majority of our food. Um, well, so. I can say for those of us sitting around this table and for many of us listening on the airwaves, corporations controlling our food systems are not something that we really had in mind either, which is why this is such a, a timely um, uh, point in, in the conversation. I, I'm going to flash us forward a little bit in, in some of the, 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 the history here, and maybe I'm going to ask Betsy if you might. I know that is is not the Belfast Co-op the oldest co-op in the state of Maine? Yeah, yeah, um, 1976. Yeah, so just give us a little bit of perspective coming from your vantage point here. Sure. Well, I actually, I came back, I grew up in Searsport, and I came back to um, the Belfast area after graduating from college in 1977 and joined the Belfast Co-op when it was in its upper Main Street. Um, mm-hmm. It's been th- in three different physical locations. So, and back then we were um, just kind of a tie-in between co-ops. The uh, the food co-ops in the state of Maine had formed together and formed a buying cooperative called Fedco, which <laughs> which really? um, which eventually um, went the way of 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 some good things and. Um, but but a part oh, this is a complicated history. But part of that um, co-op, um, CR Lawn had formed a seed buying co-op, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. so when the food buying cooperative kind of went away and was taken over by some of the bigger um, the grocery supply chain organizations, CR took the seed buying piece and. The name mm-hmm. and formed the Fedco Seeds, Seeds. Okay. which was which was a, the worker cooperative that now has five different branches, which is trees and seeds and bulbs and mm-hmm. growers supply and and uh, I work in the trees 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 branch of the <laughs> yeah the branchy one huh the branchy <laughs> one yeah well we used to call them divisions but but we've decided recently that's a divisive word to use so we're calling I'm calling them branches oh now. I like that so, that's a, yes because words are so powerful but yeah so there's been an, an evolving over the course of of um, of you know many decades here in the state of Maine um, 
And most food co-ops start out as buying clubs. People, mm -hmm. neighbors that get together and decide to buy bulk items. And to leverage their resources and buy things in bulk. And in the 70s, it was because you couldn't buy wholesome food. Well, that's right. It's and so it was a way to get good whole grains and good, mm -hmm. you know, brown, mm -hmm. brown rice, something you could not find at the local IGA. And, mm -hmm. you know, so, um, yeah, so that's kind of the... the the Belfast. I think of the Belfast Co-op as a as a mature co-op, um, and 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 going through some growing pains itself, but but uh, but one that is really well established and isn't going anywhere. Mm -hmm. And that's that's a really nice, comfortable place for us to be. All right, and then um, I guess the newbie to the group, Alan, <laughs> you just just give us a little quick rundown. You're uh, an employee-owned cooperative, is that correct? Yes. So give me, give us a little feeling for what the island employee cooperative is down in Stonington. Or actually on in the whole island of Deer Isle, because you're more than just one business, right? Right. Uh, we have about a 13,000-square-foot grocery store, Burnco Market in Stonington. And in that same complex, we have a VNS Variety, which is a all-purpose variety store, and a pharmacy also located in that same building, mm -hmm. and gas pumps and a redemption center. Mm -hmm. And then across from the high school, we have the galley, which is another grocery store. So you can call it three businesses. If you want to separate the pharmacy, you can call it four businesses. Mm -hmm. okay. But um, I believe that no cooperative has ever been established in this country taking four businesses or three businesses and putting them into one cooperative. Mm -hmm. And we have had several people who have come into the store and say, listen, you know, you people are being watched mm -hmm. all across America to see if this type of model. This business model will is actually gonna work. work. Is it going to work? Mm -hmm. Can you guys do it? Of course you can. So <laughs> we believe we can. We believe we are. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's exciting. Mm -hmm. Very exciting mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. to work for yourself. When you've worked for uh, other people for, you know, we worked for Vernon Sandra. I worked for them for 33 years. Mm -hmm. And now, you know, it's all on our shoulders. And now we can see, you know, particularly what Vern went through all those years. <laughs> dealing yeah. with all of us. Yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, in, in case folks are, are just tuning in, you're, you're listening to the Common Ground Radio Hour hosted by the Maine Organic Farmers and Gardeners Association on your community radio station, WERU-FM 89.9 in Blue Hill and 99.9 in Bangor. I'm Cheryl Wixon, your host, and we're talking about the cooperative model food co-ops, business cooperatives, and things, some of the exciting things that are happening here around the state of Maine. I, I think this is probably, I'm prejudiced, one of the most exciting times, I think, that could be happening in the state. Well, yeah, I mean, we've just had this huge bloom of co-ops across the state, and, and Jonah can certainly speak to this as well as I can, but we have 11, we will have by the end of this next year, 11 bricks-and-mortar food co-ops in the state. Which that is just new, which newly is opened. Well, well, yeah, I think we had five, had and five now there's going, to be, there's going to be 11, yeah. if I've got my numbers right. And so, yeah, it's, it's, I think it's people taking back control of their food. Mm -hmm. I think it's also because it's seen as a really good, econo you know, a, a, a viable economic model and a, and a good way to take back the control of our work lives, like you, uh, you both said. So. so I know that the Portland Food Co-op is open. It is, Portland, yes. Holton. Yes. Fort Kent. Yes. Uh, there's two other. 
Um, well, Marsh River in Brooks. Yep. And um, Barrels in Waterville has just converted to from a, to, to, to a cooperative. cooperative right. And then there's one more. Is it Gardner? Norway? No, Norway's... No, Fairshire's been here for a Norway's while. Norway's been around for a while. It's Gardner. Gardner. It is yes, Gardner. Gardner. Right. Gardner doesn't have... Last I knew, Gardner didn't have a bricks and mortar. They don't have bricks and mortar yet. yet, but they still they, they, have, they have a building that they just recently announced, and so they're oh, yeah, they're working great. to open. They just secured a location, so uh, yeah, I think they're looking at a spring opening date. So this is really an exciting it movement, is. and and I know Alan, I know a lot of folks are, are watching what you what you what's happening down on the island. For those folks that are not familiar, can you just give us a real kind of a recap of how it came to be that the, your cooperative was formed or, you know. Sure. Uh, Vern and Sandra, the owners, decided that they wanted to try to sell to the employees. So Vern gathered his leaders together one day at Vern Cove and, and just said, you know, you guys know that we're trying to sell the stores and we wanted to sell them to you. And I just need to know if you guys are interested enough for us to continue the process. And we all jumped up in the air and said, sure, what do we do next? So. <laughs> now, now, this wasn't a small feat. How many, how many employees were there or are there? Uh, between 50 and 60, so, depending on what time of year it is. Okay, okay. So this is no small feat. So a majority of the folks were like, this is a great opportunity? Yes, and so what happened next? I mean, you just don't pull a co-op out of the air, so to speak. Um, the next thing that happened is um, CDI, Rob Brown, mm -hmm. who has been with us since August or September a year ago, uh, began to meet with us and try to explain, you know, their steps. Mm -hmm. And we were constantly trying to rush ahead, and he was, you know, like calming us down. And But he was he was fabulous. <laughs> Rob is the person who led us through the Articles of Incorporation, mm -hmm. uh, which is the first thing you have to do. We have to get those done. We sent them to the lawyer that, that Rob had found for us, and the lawyer rewrote some of the stuff, and we mm -hmm. sent it to the state and got licensed. And then we had to do our um, bylaws, mm -hmm. and that took quite a while, too, to uh, go through other co-ops bylaws and to look, see how they've done their bylaws and decide exactly what do we want to have for bylaws. So, mm -hmm. And you're involving a lot of people in these conversations, right? Right. We had a, a steering committee that was organized as soon as, as Vern mm -hmm. saw that there was enough people interested, then we had to um, form a steering committee, and that steering committee is what really brought the co-op to mm -hmm. fruition mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and worked tirelessly, mm -hmm. you know, night after night. With Rob, <laughs> you know, and, and Mark, uh, don't remember, he he himself has formed a co-op for businesses mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and to help businesses out, and um, he wrote a business plan, mm -hmm. and he works, he has 35 years experience in retail, so he's, one of the prerequisites from the bank was that they wanted professional organizations. They wanted CDI, Corporate De Development, mm -hmm. Coastal Development Institute, mm -hmm. and CEI, mm -hmm. which was the banker who was going to find the money. Mm -hmm. And we have an accountant in Connecticut. And w they insisted we sign contracts with those three organizations um, 
to get the loan. So, so that you're going to have, as you're developing your model and working, you're going to have professionals with you to help you get the business up and running and to get those things working. Yeah, and as, as president of the board, I'm almost on daily, daily talking to Rob mm-hmm, and Mark mm-hmm, Spracklin. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, Jonah, there's many different forms that cooperatives can take, you know, whether they're employee-owned or member-owned. Or Can you sort of explain this to us? Yeah, a bit? so, I mean, as core, a cooperative is a group-owned business that um, that is democratically controlled by its members and is operated for the benefit of its members. And there's, there's principles, um, international principles of co-ops that um, all co-ops, um, should be sharing and, and um, bringing about in their business. Um, as far as there's a few um, kind of primary forms of um, and of ownership of co-op. So, um, you know, we we're talking about the Belfast co-op and all the different food cooperatives, um, natural food stores that exist in Maine. And, and most of those are um, consumer co-ops. So in a consumer co-op, the, the people who purchase the goods or services of that store or business are the owners of that business um, or, or can be the owners of that business. Um, so, um, and, and then um, in most of these stores, the more you purchase from the store, if the store profits in the end of the year, there's a dividend um, based on um, your, it's called your patronage dividend, how much you sh- um, shop or purchase from the, the store basically. Um, so that's a consumer co-op. Other forms of consumer co-ops are also credit unions. So if you're a member of a credit union, you're a member of a co-op, um, and it's a member-run business, um, and you can vote for the board of directors of the credit union, just like in the Belfast co-op, you can vote for the board of directors of the Belfast co-op. Um, also, housing co-ops, too, are another another form of a consumer um, co-op, where if you're, I mean, essentially, as a, as a resident of ha- a housing, uh, you are you know, kind of a consumer of that housing, and, and you um, can democratically control that housing. So um, we have some housing co-ops in Maine. There's Fair Band Apart in Lewiston. Um, and also one of the great things that's happening um, that Cooperative Development Institute is involved in is the resident-owned community movement, um, which is uh, working with mobile home communities to purchase their, mm-hmm. um, their properties as co-ops. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's really, you know, incredible um, way of building a greater resilience in that community by owning the land and democratically controlling it. So those are, those are some forms of consumer co-ops. Um, one, actually, one other really great form is, um, is electrical co-ops or um, utility co-ops. And so there's the Eastern Maine Electrical Co-op, which um, is in Washington County and I think parts of Rooster County. And so um, that, um, if you're a member, you, you know, you're getting electrical services um, from that co-op. Um, and then um, producer co-ops are another um, form of co-op. And so um, producer co-ops are found a lot in farming and agriculture. Um, so some big examples that are here in Maine, um, Cabot Cheese, for example, they have about 100 farmers that are here in Maine um, that are owners. Um, Organic Valley is another um, large um, producer's co-op. Um, and so individual farmers are owners of that co-op. Um, and then the co-op um, processes, markets, distributes um, the different um, products um, that the, the producer members are providing. Also, a lot of artist co-ops are organized as producer co-ops. So individual artists own a gallery together and you know market their, their goods together. 
another um, great form of producer co-ops that we have a lot of here in Maine is uh, lobstering and fishing co-ops. Right, um, yeah. Stone, Stonington, um, on Bilehaven, um, and um, in Port Clyde, there's some great, the Port Clyde Fresh Catch, uh, the Stonington Lobster Co-op, um, Bilehaven Fisherman's Co-op. So all these different uh, forms of producer co-ops where individual fishermen and lobstermen are owners of those um, that business. Um, and then the, the third primary form of um, co-ops are worker co-ops, or sometimes also as um, with um, an island employee co-ops, sometimes called employee co-ops. Um, and so in, that, in those situations, the workers are the um, owners of the co-op, um, and so they own a business together um, and they have a democratic voice in the governance of that business. They're voting for the board of directors. Um, and often in, in worker-owned co-ops, there's uh, participatory management as well. Um, you know, they can be organized hierarchically or more horizontally, but there's really, you know, a, a goal in, in worker co-ops to empower workers to, you know, step up in their leadership and, and management in the co-op. And, um, and, and in a worker co-op and in all co-ops, when there's a profit, um, that profit is shared amongst the members, um, you know, and so really it's bring there's investment into the co-op um, up front. Um, so generally in a worker co-op, workers invest some money into the co-op, and then at the end of the year, when that when there is a surplus, that's distributed in a worker co-op based on how many hours you work, uh, generally. So those are those are the three kind of primary forms of co-ops. There's other like purchasing co-ops, like for example, Ace Hardware is a member of, um, is, is a purchasing co-op. So all the different ACE stores all over the country are members of this larger co-op. It doesn't mean that the individual store ACE is a, is a, is cooperatively run, but they're part of this larger, mm -hmm. um, larger co-op. So. so Betsy, I was really interested to hear a little bit about the, the Fedco employee co-op. Well, it, because Fedco isn't just a worker on co-op, Fedco is what there it's commonly referred to as a hybrid co-op, but okay. I, I just recently heard the term solidarity co-op and I like that so much more. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to call it a solidarity co-op because Fedco is owned by both the workers and the consumers. Oh, and okay. Marsh River is another solidarity co-op that is owned by the customers and the producers. And so there are these blended types mm -hmm. of co-ops okay. out yep. there. And um, Fedco is, yeah, Fedco is 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 a worker consumer co-op. Mm -hmm. um, you can be a consumer co-op for an investment, just like any a consumer owner for an investment, just like any other co-op. And anyone that works at Fedco is hired at Fedco is offered the opportunity to be a worker owner, and ninety nine point nine percent of the people, you know, they they opt out. Right. They do opt to do that. They do to opt to do that. It's a it's a pretty inexpensive buy in, mm -hmm. um, and and then yeah, and then as as Jonah was saying, at the end of the year, if your division made a profit, your branch made a profit, <laughs> um, <laughs> it's a relearning process. Um, then you get a, a, a dividend at the end of the year, and so that's that's. Uh, how, do you have any idea how many of the there are in a number wise of employees of Fedco? Well, Fedco is very seasonal. There's yes, only, right. There's only one um, branch that is year round, which mm -hmm. is the organic grower supply yep. branch. Um, the rest of it, the moose tubers and trees and bulbs and seeds, um, are all they all have their season and so when we are in full blown season which is like 
January, February, March, yep. April. Mm-hmm. When we're all there, trying, scrambling to get our seeds and right, things ready. Yep. Right, um, it, There are about 80 of us, I believe. Oh, wow. Um, but but year-round, when it's bare bones, just people keeping the warehouses going and, and running OGS, there's maybe a Half a dozen. A dozen. Yeah, okay. Maybe okay. a dozen. All right, all right. I don't know the But I, 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 d- I hadn't realized that you were that, that hybrid blended yes. Yes, model. Yeah. So that's, yeah. that's yeah. very interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And you folks, Alan, are – so you folks started, what, June of this June year? June 12th. June 12th of this year. So you just hit the streets running, didn't you? Yeah, we had no – we were supposed to have closed the end of March, and it did – you know, just didn't get everything put together, and mm-hmm. we didn't open until June 12th, which really is the beginning of our busiest time of the year. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we just had to buckle down and, Go and to work, work. Right. work hard. Mm-hmm. No time for any of the other stuff that we had planned to do. Mm-hmm. It mm-hmm. just had to be put off. Now, I, I, you know, having lived down there on the island, I, I just think this is a wonderful opportunity for folks on the island. And how is it being received by the customers of the store and by the employees or the the owners? I should, I guess, I should call folks. I think the customers have been very receptive to mm-hmm. the idea. Mm-hmm. Um, employees, for the most part, I think they've received it well. Mm-hmm. Um, as I, as I told you on the ride up this morning, that some employees have been totally transformed by becoming an owner. Becoming an owner. In other words, they're not just working for the store. They're working for themselves, right? Yeah. This is a pretty heavy concept to wrap around. Mm-hmm. And I think some people have been busy doing their jobs and really don't fully understand, you know, what they could achieve what easily. The, the opportunities. If are- you... You're not look, looking like today or a year or five years from now, but if you want to look 20 years down the road, and a lot of these employees are a lot younger than I am, and they <laughs> probably would work there for 20 years, mm-hmm. and 20 years from now, when all the mortgages are paid, mm-hmm. I mean, it's going to be a pretty sweet place to be working come mm-hmm. time for Patriot's dividend. Now, you're, co- from my understanding, folks that were... Uh, employees and became owners did not have to pay any money up front to buy into? No. Uh, uh, actually, we didn't begin paying our share mm-hmm. until we owned the business. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We didn't pay anything up front. That's the most incredible thing, you know. You go to a banker and you say, well, I need, I want millions of dollars to buy these well-established businesses, but I don't have a cent to give you mm-hmm. for a down payment. Mm-hmm. And that was you know, a lot of bankers just couldn't get their heads wrapped around 42 owners with no down payment. Mm-hmm. And they really worked and worked and worked and tried to think of a way that they could be involved. But it, in, in the end, they just, their board just said, no, well, we just can't. We don't understand But you it. were able to find the financing, right? Yes, we mm-hmm. were. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That, was that, I'm sorry, that was through Coastal Enterprises? Yes. Yeah. They, they were the lead yeah, bank that was going out and trying to find other institutions yeah. to that would lend and did it was slow money involved at all do you know about slow money maine no no, that no. okay no no, no okay. they weren't that's okay. it's not a project in which they are involved at yeah. this point in time okay. although I'm just curious i know that uh 
I'm 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 having some conversations with some folks, sure. and there's some some more opportunities. But at this point in time, but they do have their eye on you, folks. Yeah, so yeah. yeah so. <laughs> well, well funded New England also was um, helped out with you too. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So. They cooperative funded New England for folks that are not familiar with them. They provide financing for co-ops all throughout New England. I think I think probably pretty much almost every co-op in in Maine has uh, got some support from them, and they're a really great resource. Um, in, a, in a bit, we're going to open up the phone lines, but a, a quick question comes to my mind, and I don't know if Jonah or Betsy can answer it. What's the success rate of cooperatives and banks loaning them money and things like that to get started? Do you have any idea? I, I can't imagine that it must be quite high. Sure. Well, the go ahead, John. Yeah, I mean, I don't have like a number off, off the top of my head, uh, but... I've heard um, a few people talk about this before, and you know, and often, often I would say there's the impression or perception amongst people that, you know, co-ops um, fail a lot. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and and then, you know, obviously there's there's some truth to that. I mean, there's a lot of different co-ops that were formed in the '70s, particularly that, you know, are no longer with us. Um, at the same time, though, one thing, one thing that's really interesting is that often when a when a cooperative closes, it's it's attributed to its organizational structure. Mm-hmm. You know, oh, it, it failed because it was a co-op, as opposed to looking at, you know, what are some of the other market conditions that exist? Because at the end of the day, a co-op is a business and needs to function successfully as a business. Um, you know, whereas, you know, in contrast, if a, if a small business closes that's owned by an individual or a corporation closes, it's not, you know, necessarily attributed, well, you know, okay, well, the, the mill and bucks for is closing down, so... People, you know, the, the the general conversation is not necessarily, oh, it's because corporations are a problem. Right, exactly, yeah. Very well said, John. <laughs> um, you know, because it, it's something that I think, you know, needs to be brought up that, I mean, um, and so with that said, though, there is some studies showing that um, cooperatives do generally actually have a longer, um, you know, um, viability um, rate, you know, last longer, longer, um, li- existing in business longer than traditionally owned businesses um so you know it's i think it's one of those things that you know it's, it's definitely a hard um thing to really get good data on and i know that um particularly in the worker cooperative um movement that one of the things that we are really recognizing is that there's a real um, shortage of good data and information about cooperative businesses because you know the research is not happening, mm-hmm. um, you know, to the degree that research is happening in business schools on, you know, conventionally um, owned businesses. So that there's definitely, you know, a desire to get more research on, on those, that information so that, you know, we can com- provide more um, convincing arguments to banks or to... To financial institutions that yeah. want to make well, a loan. I, just anecdotally, from my experience, the Belfast Co-op doesn't have any, you know, we're a very well-established co-op and so we well yeah we got it but (laughs) but we don't have any problem if we need to do a capital improvement project and we need to borrow money the banks understand us so local banks understand us and just recently when fedco bought the new warehouse Mm -hmm. i was not in on the inner workings of because i'm just a shop worker there but um just a shop worker (laughs) i'm not i'm not part of management there and but um we bought a new warehouse for trees and i didn't hear any blowback from you know mm-hmm. the, the, any of the banks said oh we're not going to loan you the money for that warehouse because you're a cooperative. I think that there are banks in Maine that understand and and are willing to invest in, in established cooperatives without right, too right. much 
but but I can understand why the you well, you're such a new you yeah. know the island employee cooperative. Well, it's a whole a new concept. New concept. For people. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. You're absolutely right. right about people having a hard time wrapping their minds around it. It's no. and I, I think the model that the bank has put together is a model that's going to work mm-hmm. and something that other people will be looking to do because mm-hmm. there's so many safeguards in that model in the, right. to make sure it's going to be successful. Right. That, We're not just talking about employees. We're talking about a business here too, right? Right. And that, and as Jonah said, you know, a co-op is a business and it has to be profitable. Mm-hmm. And as much as you have the seven cooperative principles that you're trying to adhere to and you're trying to be a socially responsible mi- business, you're a business. And the bottom line, it has to be black, just got, like you, it has right. to be on any other business. And any other so. business. So yeah. uh, for folks that are, are just joining us, uh, you're listening to WERU. And the show this morning is Common Ground, hosted by the Maine Organic Farmers and Gardeners Association. I'm Cheryl Wixon from MOFCA and... Uh, we have we're having a really interesting conversation about cooperatives across the state, and this is the time we'd love to have folks join us in the conversation. The number here in the studio is four six nine zero five hundred, and uh, I'm we're joined with um, Alan White from the Island Employee Cooperative on the island of Deer Isle. Uh, Betsy Gerald, who wears many cooperative hats, <laughs> Jonah Fertig is on the is on the phone with us. So I'm I, I this is fascinating to me this whole system, uh, but I think what's the most fascinating is that it's so rooted in our agricultural agrarian history, and that as we're trying to move forward and and perhaps create a more just and sustainable environment and food system and business climate, that it's it's very appropriate today, just like it was 300 years ago. I'm going to do a shameless plug here. Oh, please do. Um, <laughs> Joan, I was so happy you talked about the Grange, because mm-hmm. obviously I've spent a little bit of time immersed in looking at the whole Grange history. And in the most recent edition of the Mafka paper, there is an article by me about <laughs> the revival of the Grange here in Maine. And it is such a good model for cooperative and community mm-hmm. um, community support. So. Well, I actually it's I great think... to read that article, Betsy. I, I, enjoy, I enjoyed it very much, and you know, I think and I think one thing that too that you know, it's really great additions to the co-op cooperative enterprises too, just that like bringing communities together, mm-hmm. you know, and that's a mm-hmm. huge part mm-hmm. of what this is all about. You know, how do we come together in celebration and eating together and building communities together? And I do believe we have a caller. Could you state your name and where you're calling from, please? Hi, this is Kate. I'm calling in from Belfast. Hey, honey. Hi, Kate. Hey. How are you this morning? I'm good. How are you guys? You're doing an awesome job. We're doing great. So, I wanted to ask Jonah to talk a little bit about the Cooperative Design Lab that he's got coming up in January through March. Mm-hmm. And then also, um, if Betsy would talk a little bit about Cooperative Maine's upcoming Principal Six Conference. Thank you, dear. Well, You're thank welcome. you so much. Yeah. Well, great. Yeah, thanks, uh, thanks Kate. And uh, good, to, good to hear you on the phone. Um, so yeah, I'm organizing um, a cooperative design lab. It's um, being organized through cooperative fermentation, um, along with support from a lot of different organizations and co-ops in Maine. Mafka's uh, helping support it, along with the Belfast Co-op, um, Cabot Cheese, uh, Cooperative Fund New England, CEI, Resilience Hub is supporting and cooperative development too. So it's a great, a, a very cooperative effort. For mm-hmm. <laughs> One of the, the principles of of co-ops, which uh, Betsy will talk about that principle six um, afterwards. But the Cooperative Design Lab is going to be um, an intensive um, development, training, and um, program for people that are looking to start cooperatives in the food system and in communities here in Maine. 
Um, and so it's three to three weekends um, from January to March, um, and it's at the Wayfinder School in New Gloucester. And so we're having those weekends where we're really going into depth around cooperative values and structures and uh, finances and you know how to um, build the um, how to build the people in your co-op because that's really you know one of the big challenges of starting a co-op is getting the good people there and really you know getting a shared vision and mission together. Um, you know, and then how do you bring that into your business and you know create a create a viable business that you know is supported by those values and can reinforce those values and provide um, good jobs and, and services to the community. So um, we're having those three weekends along with webinars in between. Um, and then at the end, we're going to have a celebration of the participants of the program um, where they will come together and share about um, the co-ops they're creating. And we're going to be inviting community members and uh, funders and, and policymakers to, to come to that to really, you know, recognize this growth of co-ops in Maine and be able to support that moving forward. And we're really hoping through that process that um, new co-ops will form and that, you know, those co-ops will be able to be connected to some of the existing co-ops and then be able to support one another as they move forward in uh, creating co-ops in the state. Thanks, Jonah. How about you, Betsy? Oh, that's a great segue, Jonah. Thank you, because <laughs> the um, I should be able to rattle off the seven principles, but I can't. So principle six, however, is cooperation among cooperatives. And um, Cooperative Maine, which is an overarching statewide organization, um, about a couple of years ago decided we should be offering some um, networking opportunities to all the co-ops in the state. And so we developed and had this last winter um, a Principal Six conference and invited all the food co-ops to come. And we had a day-long workshops and networking session. And, um, I know, I went to that. Local spreads. Oh, that's right. <laughs> yes, I was there. Cheryl presented <laughs> one of our workshops. That's right. Um, and and local sprouts provided the food, and it was just a wonderful day. And the participants mm-hmm. were very enthusiastic about it. And so we'll be doing it again the end of April, probably April twenty fifth at Viles Auditor uh, Viles Arboretum in mm-hmm. Augusta. Mm-hmm. Um, that's tentative plan. So uh, stay tuned. And this year, we really wanted to expand it beyond just the food co ops. So the um, planning committee um, is going to include uh, a worker co op track. And pro- and uh, you know invite worker owners and worker owners and uh, consumer owners and and uh, producer owners and and just broaden our reach a little bit so that you know we foresee that eventually this conference could turn into um, quite a quite a you know all the cooperatives in the state of Maine could come together for well, one day a year and 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 uh, help each other. I that's what I was going to say. I look at the opportunities that that each organization can learn from each other. I know that uh, Alan and I, we both, you know, rode up together this morning, and that's part of the conversation that we had were some of the the challenges, the the pitfalls, and, you know, how many... How many pages of bylaws and things like that did you do you have as you're trying to to anticipate, you know, what's what could be some of the problems and challenges that lie ahead as you put something together, so... Yeah, yeah I, think, I think that's, you know, such an important piece of it, um, you know, that we learn together. And one of the other cooperative principles is education and training, you know, mm-hmm. and that, that importance of sharing education together, you know, and, and learning from the different co-ops that have existed for a long time, you know, and, and then continuing to learn from co-ops around the country as well. Because there's, um, I mean, you know, we've been talking about what's been happening in Maine, but there's there's a really growing co-op movement all around the country, which is it's great to see. 
Um, and one thing I just want to just uh, folks who are interested in getting more information about the Cooperative Design Lab, um, you can visit the, our website, which is cooperativefermentation.org. Oh, super. Um, Thanks very and, much. For and then I think I would imagine the principal six will be on Cooperative Maine's website, which it, is, is cooperativemaine.org. Right. So. And, it, and it'll be on the Belfast um, website, too, since super. three quarters of the planet. So uh, <laughs> if folks are interested in joining in the conversation, we'd love to have you. Give us a ring here at the studio. It's 469-0500. And as you know, this is your community radio. We did have a drive-by question, <laughs> <laughs> and this is Yo from Tremont, he, he, and his question is this, what is the point of a cooperative organization if it turns profit over to banks? And of course, he closes with, thank you so much for putting on this program. So that's a... It doesn't turn profits over to banks. There you go. It doesn't. It, it doesn't. I mean, we had no money. We had to borrow money from mm-hmm. banks. Mm-hmm. To get started, we have to pay that money back. Mm-hmm. But the profits that that we will get come the end of this year, the board of directors of the IEC will determine. You know how much money you keep in accounts to keep the businesses running. Mm-hmm. How much money we can set aside for patronage dividend. We're not paying any of those profits to the banks. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right, and I mean the bank is a business. And they have to pay their expenses and do things also. You know, I I would say, too, that, I mean, um, you know, definitely a a lot of co-ops either bank with, you know, bank with uh, credit unions or local banks or, you know, and and get financing from organizations like CEI or Cooperative Fund in England, which, you know, when you're you're paying your interest on those loans, it's going back into the movement, too. So I think that's, you know, definitely one of the things is, you know, is how do we how do we increase um, you know these um, the lending power of these community-based uh, lenders or cooperative lenders? You know, so that we can continue to reinvest in the movement. Um, one thing that a, a new cooperative effort that's um, forming is the Main Harvest Credit Union, right. and mm-hmm. that's um, that's a really great you know great um, new venture. It actually has come out of the Slow Money Main movement, and that's going to be a credit yeah. a statewide credit union member-owned, um, and it's going to provide opportunity for um, agriculture and food-based businesses to um, borrow from the credit union. That's and, you know, again, when you pay, when you're yep. paying back that loan, that money that's going to go back into the main fleet. So I do believe we have uh, another caller on the line. Good morning. Could you state your name and where you're calling from, please? Yes, good morning. My name is Dane. I'm calling from Orono. I'm assuming that's me we're talking about. Yep. <laughs> good morning. original... Um, book of the grange from addison and in it in the very beginning uh he talks about the um the effort of the farmers to bypass the corporations and to band together and in a way to keep the means of their subsistence under their own auspices Mm -hmm. and so the grangers in each town, which came from an agri- from the agrarian times, banded together with their resources, pooled their money, even for people who didn't have it, to buy the seeds and the other supplies they needed, and then paid back the grange. And there wasn't any interest involved. And so the, the cooperative movement of today in Maine, which grew out of the back to the landers, and we often had to go... 50 miles, I was. I remember when we lost uh, the 
co-op in Machias, and we ended up having to drive down to Belfast and pick up our load off the porch of what was then the Belfast co-op. Mm. A lot of sweat equity and idealism went into building the cooperatives and also into building MOFCA, which grew out of that. Mm -hmm. But nowadays we are talking about financing and being beholden to banks and creating jobs for people with living wages and, um, you know, all the benefits. The problem that we're going to be facing is that we are increasingly being hogtied by the financial system. And people increasingly base their model to want to survive on some kind of profit. And so cooperatives from the start are being undermined by having to go into the financial system itself to get a loan and pay it back and be beholden to the bank should they somehow fail. The idea of um, Fedco Seeds was a group of people that started to try to provide seeds cheaper and just create a wage. There wasn't any, you know, there wasn't anything like there is today. And it's a great group of people. All the people who started the, the co-ops in Maine are one of the oldest groups in the United States. But we have to take into consideration somehow how to not finesse this into workshops and all these other kinds of things and teach the basic fundamentals of why human beings would want to cooperate around resources and sweat equity and ideals and then go from there because the the hopefully the alternative model will be co-opt and all kinds are springing up around all kinds of uh ways to do things, everything from health to to food to insurance to, I mean, every, the cooperative model in some form is basically seen as a business model to band together a large enough buying force to be able to lower the price. But there has to be something more involved with this. It's a chance to rebuild the ethics. And in, in Maine, we have the chance to create those seeds, but the way things are going right now, I just don't see that. If you have an idealistic young person, well, I'm just saying. Yeah, I'm just no, saying, there's no refuting what the way things are today. No, there there isn't, and and I and I, I I really hear what you're saying, and that's why I kind of refer to a lot of these older co-ops as middle-aged co-ops because they are coming up against that. <clears throat> That a, a model that everybody's really comfortable with, it, it, you know, the, the the typical capitalist model. And I'm sorry, and, I disagree with that. Not everybody's comfortable with that. As a matter of well, fact, no, increasingly I'm, we are less. I'm comfortable sa- by comfortable with it. by comfortable, what I mean is that it's a it's a model that people understand. No, I'm so, I no, agree I with you. I'm not even understand it. Well, to I, tell you the truth. well, it's I'm off our country completely, and people are scrambling, and so we need cooperatives in the sense that they were birth, both first formed in order to try to rebuild a new ethic and a yeah. new way of doing things. Well, I, I super, and I, I want to thank you so much for your call. And yep. uh, 
if, if you don't mind, we are, we are going to take another call now. So, folks, if you're interested in joining in our conversation, the number here in the studio is 469-0500. And we're, we're talking about cooperatives, many different types of cooperatives, and some of the exciting things happening in the cooperative uh, form around the state. And, Bessie, I know you had a couple other little things well, you wanted just, to add to yeah, that conversation. I just, yeah, I think that, that um, we... Yes, you can. Cooperatives can go down the path of not being quite as as um, idealistic as they had been in the past. But I think that there are those of us in the cooperative movement who really subscribe to the seven principles and really want to see cooperatives stay cooperatives and are pushing back against that. You know what? What the last caller was. Ta- I understand what she was. I think I understand what she mm. was talking about in that it, we can become very corporate, and but I but I feel really strongly that there's a good strong movement in the state of Maine to push back against that corporatization of cooperatives and 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 get back to our roots and get back to where we really should be as far as being for the. For for the people who have formed the cooperative. Great. Thanks, Betsy. So we Can I say just one thing? Sure. Uh, all the banks that we are uh, dealing with are cooperative banks. Okay. Uh, I mean, uh, we got had to get an inventory loan. We got that through our distributor, AG mm-hmm. New England. Mm-hmm. It's a co-op. Yeah. Uh, if you want to make cooperatives out of, you know, businesses that have been around for a long time, it's going to cost millions of dollars to do that, and there's no other way. I guess I guess what I'm trying to say is better to form a cooperative and have to use banks than it is not to form a cooperative at all. Right. The yeah. the yes. rewards are much greater than, than the what you got to deal with. Right. Is what right. I'm trying to say. Yeah. So I think and we actually one of the have to. Is really building you know building the cooperative economy is really you know the more co-ops that are are forming the more we can support one another. And, then, you know, again, yeah. we're the sixth principle and, you know, and really looking at how, you know, the existing co-ops in Maine can continue to support the new co-ops and, you know, build our power together. I think it's really important. So thing. on that note, I think I'd like to take another call. And good morning. Could you state your name and where you're calling from, please? Hi, um, my name is Kathy, and I'm calling from Montville. Thank you, Kathy. What can we do for you today? I had a question. I'm, I was just driving, and I was listening to the show, and... Uh, I t- tuned in late, so I'm not sure this is an appropriate question or not. I know you were talking about food co-ops, but I'm curious about other types of cooperatives, such as um, fine craft cooperative. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have talked to several people in my area who are potentially interested in forming such a, co- a cooperative, but we weren't quite sure where to go for some guidance. Okay. Super. Jonah? Jonah? <laughs> um, well, so the uh, the Cooperative Development Institute is the Northeast Center for Cooperative Business, and we provide technical assistance um, for and um, for co-ops around the region. Um, so definitely, you know, could be a resource. And I mentioned before too the Cooperative Design Lab, which is um, I'm working on organizing, which is coming up, um, and that's going to be a, a program for people to really uh, learn about the different aspects of of a co-op and you know to. to to speak to last caller is called both getting the values but also getting you know solid business planning right. as well. And what was, what was the first contact that you had mentioned? The Cooperative Development Institute. And so Cooperative Development Institute has assisted a lot of the co-ops here in Maine um, and has helped a lot of uh, new co-ops start. Okay, great. Thanks. Thanks, thanks so much. 
Thank you for the call. Okay. And uh, if folks, I think we could probably might have time for one more phone call. The number here in the studio is 469-0500. And we're having a very thought-provoking conversation mm -hmm. and discussion about cooperatives and and uh, how they influence our life and, and how we could maybe use them as a model to build a more just uh, society and uh, things like that. They're so, definitely a more just economic model, a yeah, more which just, is why yeah. I'm so devoted to yeah, them. Yeah, right. Um, you know, one thing you didn't talk a little and I know I worked with you a little bit on this, was the, uh, the worker co-op to help farmers yeah. and processors, too. Yeah, well, when we talk about co-ops that didn't quite make it, <laughs> um, there we did try to form a, a, a cooperative, a worker-owned cooperative called Maine Works that would provide temporary farm help to farmers, which mm -hmm. would have been a, a great um, aid to the agricultural community, and the farmers were certainly excited about it. And it didn't happen yet. I like to say yet. I'm hoping that it. It I like might that. still. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it might still I like happen. that. So yeah, <laughs> I, I like the yet, and uh, so um, I think we're gonna sort of wrap things up here this morning. We've. Uh, I, I want to thank uh, Jonah for being on the line with us, uh, Jonah Furtake and and Betsy for thank you so much for coming in and oh, thank uh, you for us. Alan. Um, I'm just so excited, and I know everybody else is around mm -hmm. uh, what's happening down here on the island. Uh, a uh, couple things coming up around the state agriculturally, and uh, uh, we just finished uh, a kitchen licensing workshop over at uh, the Common Ground in Unity yesterday. We had some great folks that are interested in licensing their kitchen and making value-added and food products, and you never know, that might be on the shelf of the Burnt Cove Market someday or at the nice. Belfast Co-op. Nice. Uh, I, I think uh, the next show would be is going to be January 2nd. We are... Uh, the WERU Common Ground Radio Hour. And then I think everybody should be marking their calendars for the Agricultural Trade Show. This is the 74th Annual Agricultural wow. Trade Show in Augusta. Uh, and January 13th is the uh, Mofka Day at the trade show. And that's also the annual membership meeting. And uh, and it's an opportunity for folks to see what's what's in the middle of the winter, what's going on in the in the farming community. So um, it's, it's been a really exciting time here in the state. Uh, I know in addition to some of these cooperatives that are opening up, there's a lot of winter's farmer's markets and there really could be a better time to, to say, I'm gonna really eat a lot more Maine food this year. So I encourage you all as you're thinking about the holidays and uh, getting maybe your Christmas tree or your wreath and things like that to, to think about shopping local and, and, and buying from your friends and your neighbors and, and working together in a cooperative manner. So, so I, I thank you all for being with us in the studio this morning and look forward to another, another show next month. Thanks, Cheryl. Thank you. Thank you.